0: And welcome everybody to episode 67 of the Progression to the Mean Podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts Keegan Thompson and Aiden Haller. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm
1: doing fantastic, Sean. Good to hear. Football is so close. We are like three, I think four weeks the Hall of Fame game. I, I don't think no, we realize not
0: give a Hall of Fame game how count? close not.
2: we really Dude, are to football. I, I, like, I got a text from Parker. I just got a text from Parker that said, you guys want to hear something cool? And he just followed up and said, Hall of Fame game is in three weeks, brother. <laughs> no, oh,
1: that's not. a football guy. See, oh, let's not. go. You're joking.
2: Parker, first text.
1: Oh, my God. Dude, football guys are coming out of their shell. We've been out of our shell all year because we're full on sicko. But the normal football guy. They're starting to see their shadow and they're like it's fucking football time, baby. So <laughs> it's the, so football all day. <laughs> the yeah. ML
0: the MLB the MLB All-Star game is a good re- reminder. It's like, oh, it's yeah. happening. Like training camps are it's, happening. So it's time. like it's time. It's time to ride the lightning. That's that's what's happening here. Yeah. Um oh, yeah. I love that the energy is already up. I'm pumped for the start of the season. Seven hours of commercial free football with Scott Hanson is truly, you know, it's it's some elite tier stuff. And I know everyone here is excited. Um, Today's episode, we have episode 4 in our final episode of our team-by-team fantasy football previews, where we go division-by-division to find each team's most relevant fantasy storylines. Today we have the AFC South and AFC West finally get to talk about... I don't know... (laughs) 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 you you should leave that in honestly i don't know guys this is it's been a long day before we get into that
2: fourth wall break this is super weird to do an intro we're recording our second episode of the night we've actually recorded one just previous to that so like redoing intros again is tripping me
0: up hardcore (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say Mahomes and then I was gonna say Russ and then I was gonna say CJ Stroud and it was the fact that I picked three different guys in my head I was like the joke wasn't gonna be funny today's episode of the regression to the mean podcast is brought to you by underdog fantasy best ball on underdog fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football just draft your team and that's it no waivers trades or weekly start sit decisions underdog will automatically play your best players at each position every week Sign up today with promo code RTM to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. You can sign up for as little as $10 to start drafting today. It is the best way to get prepped for redraft season. Kicking things off, starting in the AFC South, Aiden, I don't know why you gave me this squad, but here I am talking about the Houston Texans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had a take hot away, take. Brother. I had a hot take on on uh, Twitter. I mean on TikTok, where I said the Houston Texans had a better offense than the Carolina Panthers. That was when I thought that Bryce Young was going to be a Texan and that CJ Stroud was going to be a Panther. Uh, but oh, now no. here I am living with the take uh, because yeah, I kind of actually do think they might have a better offense. And um, yes, when yes, I'm looking yes. Looking at the Houston Texans, yes. The, the major question that comes to mind with this team, and I, I you know, we're. I'm a huge Damian Pierce truther. I love the way that guy plays. I think he's going to be excellent in fantasy this season. I think his ADP is relatively sharp. Um, I think he kind of defies that RB dead zone. I think he can kind of break through with that. I, I'm not worried about Devin Singletary. It's his competition for touches. What really intrigues me about the Houston Texans in, in 2023 is Nico Collins. And is Nico Collins going to emerge as a top 24 wide out in fantasy? So, if you're having to google who nico collins is you're probably like most normal people that is he's put up strong underlying efficiency numbers since coming into the nfl two years ago he's been playing in some of the worst offenses in all of football with some of the worst quarterback play and his yards per route run has been pretty strong he has good prototypical size his good hands he's kind of like that slasher x player imagine like a T. Higgins-type player without T. Higgins' juice and skill. That's kind of what you got with Nico Collins. He's been an under-the-radar favorite of reception perception's Matt Harmon. Matt Harmon does an incredible job charting wide receivers. And Nico Collins has been really good at beating press man and and man coverage since he's came into the NFL. This season, he has limited target competition with Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz, John Mechie, Tank Dell, and Noah Brown. That is a who's-who's poo-poo platter where Dalton Schultz is probably the most... (laughs) Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz, John Mechie, Tank Dell, Noah Brown. Um, That's who he's competing with. Poo-poo platter. Poo-poo platter. I think that theoretically we're going to see a massive bump in both play calling efficiency and at quarterback play for Nico Collins. We have a Kyle Shanahan disciple and Bobby Slowick coming in to run this offense, and we have this jump from Davis Mills to C.J. Stroud. I think with good QB play and a good offense, Nico Collins has an opportunity to see a 20-plus percent target share, and he plays half of his game indoors. He is a dome bro, which intrigues me, as everyone knows. Let's go. Um, Dude, I don't know we how have fast to make dome bro shirts. We need a dome bro. We have bro. to get dome bro merch. Um, I don't think like this offense is going to run particularly fast. I think it's going to be an established offense with a good defense, and they're going to try and play ball control. But I think he's clearly the alpha in this offense, and if CJ Stroud is just even good, like out of the gates, I just, I don't see a world where Nico Collins in his target earning ability and his efficiency historically with a good quarterback won't be an incredibly positive pick at ADP considering you're going to get him at, you know, in the 14th, 13th round at 132 on underdog. He's just kind of one of my sneaky plays that I think could be a top 24 wide receiver when all things are said and done this season. So I'm really intrigued to watch Nico Collins. I know that's kind of a niche fantasy bro topic to go with, but that's what I'll be looking at in 2023 with the Houston Texans. What do you guys think about Nico Collins?
1: I'm trying to temper my expectations a little bit. They brought in Robert Woods. They brought in Dalton Schutz. They brought in Tank Dell. It's like, do I think Nico Collins is the most talented one? Yes. Um, But I don't know if they think the same thing we do. So I'm pretty high on him, but it's a bit of a murky pass catching room as you kind of already touched on. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out. I I wouldn't overexpose yourself to Nico Collins, but I'm excited to see what he does with much better QB play and just a better overall offense around him to see if he can take that leap into that potential wide receiver two or three zone that we think is possible for him.
2: I'm afraid I might have already overexposed myself to Nico Collins, but <laughs> that really kind of is what it is at this point. I am such a big fan of CJ Stroud. I think you guys know that though, so – I'm just excited. I think he's going to shock
0: some people. Okay. I I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Again, Nico Collins was averaging like 9 targets a game down the stretch last year. He had like 500 receiving yards in one of the worst passing offenses I've seen in like 10 games. I feel really good about Nico Collins. Another guy that I feel really good about and I would have loved to talk about, Aiden, is <laughs> Anthony Richardson in <and> the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. I think it's good for our listeners to hear a different voice's perspective on mr anthony richardson aiden tell us a little bit about the indianapolis colts in 2023 and how you're going to be approaching anthony richardson in redraft
1: but we definitely know how you feel about anthony richardson um which is why i was like i think i need to i think i need to step in here and um maybe give it a bit of a different perspective um, i think people need to set reasonable expectations for Anthony Richardson whoa which bro people don't do that a lot of people aren't um <laughs> over the last 10 years only three rookie QBs have finished in the top 10 of fantasy scoring and I think people are expecting Anthony Richardson to be like pretty much Justin Fields last year in year one which is really really optimistic the three guys who did it Justin Herbert Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott three really good quarterbacks Not, you know, Watson, probably like the main rushing QB there. Obviously, Anthony Richardson has more rushing upside. He wasn't the most accurate passer in college. There's still a lot of work to be done with him. I think one of the biggest things going for him, though, which could help him be the fourth QB there, is Steichen and Steichen's offense. We saw the magic that he worked with Jalen Hurts last year and what he did for his development. And who's to say that he doesn't do that? Maybe not to that degree, obviously. Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate. But who's to say that he doesn't have that similar effect and you know turn Anthony Richardson into a more polished passer, dual-thread quarterback in the NFL? So in my opinion with Anthony Richardson, I'm very high on him personally. He's more of a dynasty and best ball guy for me. I think if you're in a redraft league and you're hitching your season to Anthony Richardson as your QB1, you're in for a wild ride. I think it's going to be a lot of highs, a lot of lows but in my opinion, probably isn't going (laughs) to yield the best outcome for you. So that's where I stand on Anthony Richardson. A guy that I am very high on, though, on the Indianapolis Colts, that I am stoked on, that is going to return to fantasy glory, is Jonathan Taylor. Going back to Steichen and kind of what I expect Jonathan Taylor to be in this offense, Philadelphia ranked fourth in the NFL last year in rushing yards per game. So I think it's very clear what he's going to want to do with this offense, and Jonathan Taylor... Is at the forefront of that rushing attack I think having Anthony Richardson in the backfield with him only helps too having that kind of dual threat will definitely keep defenses honest and you can't just key in on Jonathan Taylor he's fully healthy this year sprained his ankle multiple times last year so I don't think we saw the best version of Jonathan Taylor that offense was absolutely abysmal too they were 30th in points per game and watching the Indianapolis Colt play football last year was really just like getting a root canal. It was painful. It sucked. No one was having fun. So I'm super high on Jonathan Taylor. He's my RB six, right in between Saquon and Josh Jacobs. I expect a huge bounce back season from him and firmly gonna be in that running back one conversation again this year. Sean, what do you think? I know I I liked it. I didn't speak to, to A Rich the same tone, but what do we think?
0: I, I liked it because when I did that quarterback study not a lot of 21-year-olds breaking out. He's really, it's tough. He's really it's, young, it's, man. He's really, really young. He's a young but, player. But the tools are there. Yeah. The tools are there. But I think it's, he could be a guy who comes on strong at the end of the season. Like I wouldn't yep. be shocked if he's on the waiver wire like week seven, week eight. But then like he puts together a phenomenal back end of the season in fantasy where they figure out how to use him. He, he kind of learns as he goes. The receiving core is fine. I know a lot of people like to shit on this receiving core. I kind of like Pittman. I, I like Pierce. I like Downs. I like Jelani Woods. They have an interesting receiving core. That, so I don't think they're going to be great in fantasy because of the rushing upside of of Richardson. But I think he has weapons around him to where it won't be as inept as that Florida offense was. Um, but temper expectations is probably a good point. A team I can't temper my expectations for is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Keegan, you finally got a team I know you want to talk about here. Tell us <laughs> yeah, a little I know. bit about the Jaguars I got you, bro. in 2020. I got you, bro.
2: Gosh, in these previews, I keep getting stuck with these teams I fucking hate. But <laughs> the Jaguars are a team that I do not hate. Um, let's start with the new man in town, Calvin Ridley. This is one of the most interesting conversations of fantasy football this year, I think, because Calvin Ridley, what we saw before – um he got suspended for gambling he had some injury issues some mental health stuff it's been a long time since we've seen him play but when we did see him play we're talking about a guy that was outperforming like at the end of julio jones's peak calvin ridley was there and was basically outperforming julio jones and this is a very very talented wide receiver that trevor lawrence is now going to get the opportunity to pass to and Where he ends up at the end of the season is really hard to predict, but I'll tell you one thing. He and Christian Kirk are going to be on the field all the time. They'll be the two wide receivers and the two wide receiver sets. They'll both be on the field and three wide receiver sets. Last year, according to Hayden Winks, the Jaguars were ranked fourth in wide receiver fantasy usage. I don't see that slowing down. One thing that Ridley has that Christian Kirk doesn't necessarily offer, I think Christian Kirk can do it and he's efficient, but Calvin Ridley is actually a spectacular downfield threat as a wide receiver. I thought Christian Kirk was really efficient last year in his role, but because of Calvin Ridley, he'll be able to slide more naturally into his secondary receiver role, which I think is where he's best fit on like kind of short to intermediate middle game. Like he can run out of the slot a lot. He actually got used 72% of the time in the slot, which is great coaching. I think he's always been effective slot wide receiver, but that opens up a ton of opportunity for Calvin Ridley. Downfield and deep, and this is a quarterback who's not afraid to push it. I mean, Trevor is going to be more comfortable than ever in year three of his NFL career. He's got eyes that purvey <laughs> downfield. This is not a hard stat, but like, whoa, it, okay, this eyes is it's pur- not a hard stat. That's crazy. He, you just but he's one of the saucy. few, especially few young Steve quarterbacks Trev. <laughs> that can actually. Keep his eye downfield. He'll go through all of his reads. He'll hang in the pocket when he needs to because he's looking for big plays. Because you know what? He trusts his arm. He is an elite quarterback talent. And we've talked about this before on our podcast, but I do think Trevor Lawrence has potential to lead the league in passing this year. He has an outstanding wide receiver core. He's got a great tight end. He's got a good offense. The only thing, I think the only thing that will hold Trevor Lawrence back in the Jaguars is – I'd have to say their offensive line is like middle to below tier. That's not very good. It's not great. But Trevor is good. Like good enough already. And I can't believe I'm saying that. It's only his third year. But he's actually good enough where I don't know if I care. <laughs> I actually don't know if I care.
0: He doesn't take um, sacks. He, he's good at getting out of the pocket. He's smart. He'll throw the ball away. Like, he's and it's he's not so like athletic. Joe Burrow, he's just bangles bad like two years no, ago. No, no. It's, 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 it's just like, just like middle like of the row, great. bottom. Yeah, it's yeah. not great. Yeah. Uh,
2: but like I said, with the downfield playability, his eyes that are always kind of looking for that big throw if he can make it. You know, he ranked fourth in PFF's big-time throw rate last year, and... I think Ridley has top 12 potential in fantasy. Wide receiver one should definitely be in his outcomes this year. And you know what? Christian Kirk might not be far behind. Um, He's going to lose some volume and the target comp gets steeper with Calvin Ridley in town. But like I said earlier, he gets to slide into his more natural role of wide receiver two. And I think he's, you know, he's being priced pretty accordingly in his underdog drafts. What is he like? Wide receiver 30? No, that's. I think Deontay Johnson. He gets, said he gets taken in like in
0: the forty the 49th overall, I think is his ADP. And like he was yeah. a wide receiver of fourteen last year. What is, what is that yep. wide receiver twelve? He Yep. I, I wouldn't he's be shocked really, if he really good. finishes if he finishes at the same place and Calvin Ridley just soaks up some of Evan Ingram's work, some of you know, most of Zay Jones' work, and like they just throw the ball more. Like yeah. I think they're gonna be in shootouts all year long. Their schedule is super difficult. So, like I can see Kirk just having the same season he had last year.
2: they're almost basically valued at like the same spots in drafts where it's like wide receiver eighteen for Calvin Ridley and wide <laughs> receiver twenty for Christian Kirk, and like that's like might they might finish back to back just like that. um but I think my fantasy outlook for them is heavy focus on the pass catchers. Uh, I don't have a lot of notes about e t n with the Bigsby thing. I think that conversation has kind of gotten played out in fantasy. And we've and talked We've about kind of it run so that to the ground on the spot, yeah. I'm buying Trevor Lawrence this year, and I want some of Kirk and Ridley. That's going to be a fun offense. Yeah, yeah, that passing game is going to be awesome.
1: They should definitely yield two top 24 pass catchers if they pass as much as we think they are. And Trevor kind of picks up where he left off at the end of 2022.
0: An offense I don't really want to watch much of is the Tennessee Titans, even though they might. DeAndre Hopkins, have Traylon Burks, have Chico Cuonco, have Derrick Henry. So maybe they are going to be more fun than, than I think. I, and they have a new offensive coordinator, too. Last year, Todd Downing, like self-sabotage, brother. Like, were you betting against your team? Like, some of the plays that he called last year. Remember when he only threw the ball three times with Malik Willis? Like, what was that? Like, <laughs> it was just absolutely insane. But when we're looking at the Tennessee Titans this season, I'm looking at Derrick Henry. And I think it's become kind of a meme at this point. Like, is this the year that Derrick Henry falls off of a cliff? And it's each year we proclaim that. He comes back and he finishes as a top five running back. But if you look at the study that Ryan Heath from Fantasy Points put out, he did an age curve analysis. And he found that year seven running backs usually see a dip below their career baseline numbers. And then he says year eight running backs production is decidedly not normally distributed, meaning that year eight running backs are usually good or they're like terrible. Like they completely fall off a cliff and it's the year eight running backs that are good or usually like hall of famers typically. And if you guessed it, Derrick Henry is in his eighth season in the NFL. And right now you can currently draft Derrick Henry at 25. ADP is 25 last season. He finishes as the RB four. This guy has just been an absolute workhorse for close to five seasons. Now is probably one of the best players in all of fantasy And this kind of looks like this is the last year he plays on the Titans. They did just draft a running back in the third round in Tajay Spears. But I firmly believe Mike Vrabel will ride Derrick Henry until the wheels fall off. But I'm just afraid that those wheels are coming off this season because he's logged so many carries since high school. And though it may seem like it's going to be this year, Henry is that special type of player. And Henry is that type of guy where if he comes out this season and he's good, he's probably going to make it into the Hall of Fame. I know running back's a little bit different historically because guys used to run more. Guys are running less now. I think Derrick Henry is going to be a Hall of Famer if he comes out and has a really good this year with the Tennessee Titans. So it's like, I'm comfortable grabbing shares of Derrick Henry as the start of the third round at that like 25 ADP. I think I'm out on his risk profile if he starts to make his way up into like the early second. That's kind of how I'm approaching Henry. I'm open to anything happening, understanding the cliff could come, but I kind of think he's the best running back of his generation, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he's going to just put his stamp on such a magical career this season. So have fun deciphering those range of outcomes because that's that's no fun, right? But I think that's kind of what you're going to get with Derrick Henry this year.
2: Will this year be yeah, the year that people finally respect Ryan Tannehill? No. If Moving sadly, on to the no. AFC
1: West.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So no, Ryan Tannehill's a good
2: name. He's a good he, quarterback. That's a good litmus test for like, do you know ball? It's like Dak bad. Prescott. If you think Dak Prescott's oh, bad, on. I don't think you know ball. But like, Dak if Prescott's you tell me really Ryan Tannehill's Ryan Tannehill. is just. But that's the point I'm trying bad. to make. Like, he's
1: just so boring. Blah, blah, so blah. Boring whatever it's not fu- it's not fun football just ryan tanhill play action 15 yard dig route did, first down did like, you see
0: that bomb he threw to kalief raymond and then that keeper he yeah. took in the end zone it's like yeah it's great football but i mean like I, what, it's good football he's a good yeah, football player shoot,
1: i want to have shoot. i want to have fun <laughs> i want henry stiff arming dudes into the shadow realm like i want to have fun yes. watching football dude and shifting football. gears
0: here to the afc west uh aiden i love this who let you cook Certainly wasn't Russ. That was a terrible one. But Aiden has the AFC West and the Denver Broncos. Tell us what the Broncos know. have cooking up in 2023. What are, what are the Broncos cooking?
1: <laughs> What's in the kitchen in Denver, Colorado? What is in the spice yeah.
0: rack? What do you have? Is that That's cumin? That's oh. Is that a little see- Judy? <laughs> Tell so us about. There's the really only
1: one person I want to talk about. With the Denver Broncos, but I have to earn it, all right? I I don't get to speak about him right away, so I have to earn it. We'll get there towards the end of my recap here. So, obviously, what you have to start with is, does Sean Payton save Mr. Unlimited? Um, that's that's the big question. question. That's what we're all dying to know. What Nathaniel Hackett did last year, like, should be death sentence, gone straight to prison. <laughs> like, it was such a bad offense. Like, Russell Wilson was unrecognizable in that offense. It was just such just game everything looked so bad no rhythm no strategic real actions with any of the decisions he made so the biggest question obviously Sean Payton has an awesome track record given he worked with Drew Brees for most of his career so you know take it with a grain of salt but his offenses have typically been in the upper half and very productive offenses so I don't think it's out of the ordinary or out of the question to say that Russell Wilson returns to about QB 10, maybe even breaks into that. There's really good pieces around him. I don't want to get too into the pass catches because, again, I think this is something we've already gone into. The Jerry Judy breakout is coming. You've got Cortland Sutton, who I think is better than people think, but like, we're all kind of just tired of him waiting to be the Cortland Sutton that we think he is. And then you've got a couple of other really fun pieces there. Going into running back... I think I'm on the contrary here I was on the contrary last off season two and I'm fading Javante Williams that knee injury was gnarly it's you know we already talked about Brees Hall in our last episode this was a much more significant knee injury in terms of the ligaments that were damaged and I'm really not buying it not to mention I think Samaj Perine is more than capable of being a three down running back I've said it time and time again they didn't pay him quite like one but paying $3.5 million a year to a running back in today's NFL, like, that's no, you know, that's no cheap deal. So I think they believe in him. They publicly endorsed him, especially to start the year as Javante works back up. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is, you know, near a 50 50 split once Javante gets ramped up. And lastly, now that I've eaten my vegetables, I get to get the dessert of the Denver Broncos, which is Greg Dulcich, baby. <laughs> Greg Greggy, Dulcich, Greggy. who I could not be more excited about. Sean Payton has already labeled Greg as the joker of their offense, which essentially means like mismatch nightmare. Players that he has called this in the past have been Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, Alvin Kamara, just to name a few, and has awesome track record developing tight ends. You know, Shockey, Graham, bit of Witten. I think the sky's the limit for Greg Dulcich. We already saw spurts of what could be an awesome tight end last year in what was an abysmal Denver Broncos offense. So I'm buying Greg Dulcich. I think he's going to have an awesome season in that offense and again could be a top six top eight tight end potentially.
0: You you had me a Greg. You had me a Greg. I, I can't believe I had to wait for that but I appreciate yeah, you going it, through dude. the meat and yeah, potatoes before giving us the sweet yeah. dessert that is the man that is Thor Keegan Thompson you have the Los Angeles Chargers tell us a little bit about this revamped Chargers offense underneath Kellen Moore
2: man we're like picking apart these teams and finding one or two relevant fantasy players we like I want every single part of this Chargers (laughs) offense I want it all I want the whole damn pie give me Herbert give me Big Mike give me Keenan give me Eckler give me QJ give me I might draft the whole Chargers fantasy team this year say fuck it Kellen Moore's in town, baby, and they're letting it fly. Joe Lombardi in his archaic, dink and dunk, Stone Age offense is out the door. Herbert's ribs are back. He's fully loaded. Left tackle, Rashawn Slater's back and ready to take hold of that offensive line and make sure Herbert doesn't get touched. Last year, Herbert, we're talking about one of the guys with the freakiest arms I've ever seen in my life, had the fourth lowest dot average depth of target, 6.4, yards among 40 qualified passers let me say that again an a dot of 6.4 the fourth lowest among 40 qualified passers for one of the most alien like rocket arms i've ever seen in my life and i'm gonna go ahead and say it we were talking about injuries earlier i've already talked about Brees. i've talked about rashad babin (laughs) fuck it my flag plant for the chargers is mike williams this year and look you can talk all you want about the injuries but If there's one player who's going to benefit from Kellen Moore's offensive scheme, it's Mike Williams. His play style fits what they want to do the most. I think Keenan Allen is a great receiver and he's like a possession receiver, but his targets are like tend to be very low value most of the time. Like, sure, he'll finish with seven and eighty-four. But like, what does that mean if he's not scoring touchdowns? Like he's possession, move the chains. I love that. Mike Williams is going to go up and get the fucking ball this year. That dude is going to be back in a big way. And then on top of that, I'll take QJ, Quinn Johnson, as my favorite rookie to target this year. He has like, mid-season rookie bump like written all over him. He's just got tags all over him that says, buy me, buy me, buy me, great value, great value, buy me. Averaged 8.9 yards after catch per reception <laughs> at TCU in twenty twenty two, second most in NCAA. He's going to get matched up with the most insane cannon of an arm And that beautiful human Herbert, I just cannot wait to watch the passing attack. And you know what? Eckler, all the Eckler truthers, you're going to have your expectations tampered. But you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. Because even though the dink and dunk conservative approach is gone, like last year he caught 116, 120 balls and it won't happen again. I still think he's a top five. 116 targets. Yeah, I still think he's a top five fantasy running back this year. There's no Touchdowns. true competition threatening his role. Like Isaiah Spiller, I love you, but it's just not happening. Like everybody that's on this team that starts and plays the majority of the year is going to be so fantasy relevant. I'm yeah. just like oozing thinking about it. And that's my spiel.
0: That's your spiel. Oozing, excited. These are some of the words that Keegan Thompson used to describe the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> I love it. Um, going with the Kansas City Chiefs, kind of boring because it's just Mahomes is great. Kelsey's great. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> like that's kind of the offense. I think the number one question looking at this team <laughs> is, who's going to be the wide receiver one? Um, if you look at Juju Smith-Schuster's outputs last season, he averaged five receptions a game, 58 yards, 6.3 targets, 16% target share, good for around 12 PPR points per game. Candidates to replace him, Kadarius Toney at ADP 75. Can't stay healthy. Can't stop DMing fans. He's basically just like a souped-up McColl Hardman, which is great. <laughs> but probably great for best ball. He's incredibly explosive in feature, but I just don't see him commanding a huge target share. Sky Moore, ADP of 108. He barely played as a rookie, but like Tony was efficient and effective when he was number when his number was called. Rishi Rice, rookie, ADP 145. And Andy Reid doesn't really lean on rookie wide receivers as much. And we learned that Rishi Rice is probably the replacement to Juju, right, long-term, but I just don't see Rice playing a lot his rookie year, so... As it currently stands at ADP, I think Sky Moore is the best pick for the Chiefs wide receiver core. You don't have to overpay for Tony. You don't have to ride the Tony roller coaster. I think Sky Moore is kind of like year two breakout written all over him. So he's somebody to target in 108 in underdog drafts that I really like in terms of upside play for Sky Moore. Aiden. I'm into Sky Moore. You gave yourself the Raiders, which is – that's only fair. You got to eat your vegetables. Tell us about the uh, Las Vegas Raiders in 2023 and round out – our last team, and our team-by-team previews.
1: Yeah, there is no better way to end our divisional previews than the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. What an exciting yes. offense. Raiders. Um, so I'm really only going to get into the two big dogs here. Um, I think that's really all that's worth discussing. Austin and Hooper I think kind and of...
0: Zamir White. <laughs> and O.J. Howard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and O.J. Howard, yes. Uh, and I think I'm kind of on the contrary on both of these in terms of, like, the general public. Um to start with, I'm fading Devontae Adams this year. I'm I'm openly saying I'm fading Devontae Adams, and wow. you know, I'm not embarrassed to say it. Um, <laughs> three straight years of being a top-five fantasy wide receiver, it's not happening again. It's not happening again with Jimmy G playing quarterback. I just don't think Jimmy G has the arm to excel how Devontae truly does. You know, those, those 50-50 balls, you know, outside of the numbers, like – He'll still get his slants, he'll still get his inside stuff. Like, he's going to he's gonna eat to a degree. I've got him as my wide receiver 9, so it's not like a total fade. But I've got ARSB as 8 and Garrett Wilson as my 10. I would take both of those guys in a heartbeat over Devontae Adams personally. Um, I just feel like there's such a higher ceiling and so much... It's such a better just offense and situation that both of them are in. And then again, kind of on the contrary too... Give me all the Josh Jacobs shares. And we're saying this take with the assumption that Josh Jacobs plays. Because to be honest, he is going to play. Running backs don't have any leverage. Josh Jacobs is going to be wearing silver and black week one. And he's going to be playing. Coming off of a season with 2,000 all-purpose yards and 12 touchdowns. 50 plus catches two years in a row. Like, there's no reason to fade Josh Jacobs. Last year, the Raiders were bad. Their offensive line didn't get any better. And he's still got his. You know, I know people are scared because of Jimmy. I know people are scared because the line sucks. Josh Jacobs is still going to get his. I know you mentioned Z- Samir White as a joke. That's his only competition yeah. in terms of touches. So I'm not worried about that. Just I've got him as RB7. I'm pretty high on him right around, in between JT and Pollard. So I'm buying Josh Jacobs. I'm fading Devontae. If you want anyone else on this offense, knock yourself out. I'm probably not going to do that. But... That,
0: Jacobi, rounds out, yeah. that rounds it that's out. our divisional previews baby our team by team previews that was fucking a great josh jacobs rat i was listening to you like damn i need to draft josh jacobs like that's good stuff bye right? bye <laughs> bye josh jacobs before we sign off for our team by team previews keegan anything you need to say to the listeners i love you guys okay so you love them not football no stuff? you two you two you too. Oh, you love us yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah i wasn't sure if that was uh, oh, a right. if it was the people oh, wow. nope. nice
2: this one's for you too thanks keegan
0: until next time everybody